This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. It's time once again for another episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Emily Rowell. Good morning and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I am your host, Emily Rowell, and I have Jordan Hendrick here with me this morning with Stout, Kaiser, Matson, Peak, and Hendrick, LLC. That's a mouthful. That's right. We wanted all five of us on the name. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having us. Yes. Jordan Hendrick is an Atlanta native and has been practicing law here since 2004. He began his career as a general litigator, but transitioned his practice over the years to specialize in family law and domestic issues. Jordan founded Stout, Kaiser, Matson, Peak, and Amp, and Hendrick, sorry, in 2011 and currently leads the firm's family law practice. Jordan lives in East Cobb. With Comcast Business gives you the bandwidth you need to power all your devices. Get started with 200 megabit internet and voice for $99.99 per month. And for a limited time, we'll upgrade your speed to 300 megabits for no additional cost for the first year with a three-year agreement. Call 1-800-501-6000 today. Comcast Business, beyond fast. Offer 3120 restrictions apply not available in all areas. New business customers only limited to Comcast Business Internet, 200 megabits per second and one voice mobility line. Regular rates apply after first 12 months. Three-year agreement required. Early termination fee applies. Equipment taxes and fees extra subject to change. Monthly service charge increases by 10 his wife Cynthia, daughter Ashley, son Evan, and dog Murphy. So tell me your story. How did you get into law in the first place? Well, I think I always wanted to be, uh, well, not so much a lawyer, but I knew I wanted to go to law school when I was a teenager. Not your really, family in law? Or? Not really. My dad always sort of wanted me to because he knew that one, he wanted me to run uh, a small practice like I am doing. But really, I, I was interested in law enforcement as a, as a teenager. Uh, and I liked. Uh, I was into the FBI, and nice. and I knew an FBI agent who told me that law school would be the pathway. Nice, nice. So you went for it. I went for it, and then realized I didn't want to be in law enforcement, but I still got the law degree. Sure, sure. And what school did you go to? I went to University of Georgia for college and got a degree there, and then went to the Ohio State uh, University Law School. And did you intern after you graduated, or during your college years? I did. I had a job in Ohio. I took a job in Charleston, South Carolina one summer. And um, then when we graduated, um, my wife now and I both moved from Ohio. We did not have jobs. We studied for the bar down here. And then I got a job shortly after uh, passing the bar. Now, is she originally from Atlanta or did you meet her in Ohio? I met her. She was uh, at law school with me in Ohio State. She moved around, but she I guess her formative years were in Cincinnati. Okay. Great. And your practice is focused on, it says here, civil litigation with an emphasis on family law, including divorce, child custody disputes, modification of child support and custody, alimony, and other domestic-related issues. What got you into the family law side of it? Well, sort of happened by accident, which probably happens to a lot of people. It's not something I I necessarily wanted to do. Certainly, I, I sort of had an eye towards criminal defense coming out of school, and it just wasn't for me. And I did that for probably three to four years. Ended up taking a job at a firm that did some family law and some criminal defense. Mm -hmm. 
and just one of those things that as it happened, it realized that family law was what I was better at, and it just sort of blossomed from there. So you love helping families. I do. It's, it's an emotional practice of law, mm-hmm. but it's also rewarding. So tell me a little bit about um, what are some hot issues on the, on the uh, you know, forefront today that um, have to do with family law? Well, gay marriage is probably the hottest issue sure. right now. Yeah. And um, it's one I, I'm, I'm learning about. It. it hasn't yet come into Georgia as much as it has in, in other states as far as how it's manifested itself. But I do have some colleagues that have handled some uh, divorces already, and there's some pretty interesting mm. issues there. I bet. And I was told by some past guests on the show that, you know, they divorce just like any other couple would divorce. So you've got your, you know, assets that you have to divide and um, your property and all that stuff. So it's just like any other case. Mm -hmm. What I find is interesting is I know a colleague that has a case now where they've been together for about 10 years, Mm -hmm. but they've only been married for one or two because the law didn't allow them to get married before that. And it will be interesting to see what a judge thinks about that. It's crazy. So as soon as they got married, they got, they are getting a divorce. And that's no different than a lot of, uh, regular, regular (laughs) of course. But yes, that that (laughs) is the case. Um, so what surprises you about divorce? Is there anything that once you started the practice that you were kind of shocked about? Well, I'll go, I'll go. There's a lot of answers to this question. Um, not really. I mean, I would say one of the biggest surprises I had, and there's a lot of bad apples in every profession, Mm -hmm. but I think that the divorce bar probably gets a pretty undeserved reputation. And when I first practiced law, it was up in Cherokee County and I didn't do a lot of divorce work. And I used to sort of have in my own mind, a reputation or an image of divorce lawyers and Atlanta lawyers. Mm -hmm. And then of course I ultimately became a divorce lawyer in Atlanta. (laughs) But one of the surprises I had was the bar is very friendly and very helpful, and there's a lot of very good professionals on it. And I was a little surprised. It's not nearly as cutthroat, uh, again, as a rule, um, mm-hmm. as, as I think the populace would, would expect. That's a good answer. It's very politi- political. <laughs> political. But it's also true. So let's talk about um, the children in a divorce. Tell me more about how you can help the children um, in these families that you see? The number one goal for any family law practitioner in a case involving children is to remember that it is about the children. And a lot of times the result that a parent is looking for um, is not what's actually going to be best for the children. And you just try to always make sure that they're thinking about that because at the end of the day, that's what the judge is going to be thinking about. Okay. So you always try to talk to them about, you know, the, the children coming first. Yes, and another surprise is more parents than you think, despite the struggle, are thinking about that. But but if but sometimes that's not the case, and as your job as the attorney is to make them circle back around to remember what's important. Sure. All right, Rich Casanova here, listening to Atlanta Legal Experts radio show, and as a producer engineer, just as a kind of civilian listener, talk to us about like uh, the father's rights and alimony. How that comes into play? That might be uh, unique. Father's rights. Um, t- from a traditional standpoint, it's an interesting time to be a, a father in a divorce. I think that, not that I was practicing in the 1980s or anything like that, but in the 80s, I think that if you're a father and you get divorced, it is going to be tougher from the aspect of getting able to spend time with your children. I think that there was more of a traditional visitation schedule in place, and that has been blended to the point where some judges are very close to 50-50 as a rule. Um, I would say that's still not the norm, 
but even the norm is a lot more than what fathers probably experienced in the 80s and, and even up into the 90s. Alimony is, when you asked me what was um, a hot issue, alimony is not a hot issue, but it's an interesting one because Georgia is a state that really doesn't have any rules for alimony. Hmm. So it's wild, wild west, and it, you don't know, you really can't give your clients any sense of security in the initial consultation because you don't know what's going to happen. So I have a, a neighbor that um, it sounds like she's trying to go for 100%, you know, for her children to take them 100% and to not let the father. So are they? do they favor the father more now? Or does it just depend on each circumstance? Every, I mean, I wouldn't say the father's favor now. I would say any non-custodial parent is going to have more time than traditional. And, you know, in the traditional marriage, that was usually the father. The case you told me about, unless there's some really bad facts, your friend's not going to get 100% custody. That really does not happen. That actually makes me feel better, to be honest. Well, I tell all my clients that if you have a very good family law case, you have a very stressful life because that means there's facts that are going on in your life that are not copacetic because any case that's even remotely standard, no one's going to get no one's going to get the children 100% of the time. So, describe to me a day in the life of Jordan Hendrick. Well, it depends if I have court or not. You know, one of the <laughs> one of the best things about having your own firm is you get to make the rules. And and I always I tell people that it's very important to practice law with people that you are friendly with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as you said, I live in East Cobb, and my office is in Sandy Springs. And if I don't have court, I will wake up, and after the kids get off to school, I'll usually put a record on or something and drink coffee and, and check email for about an hour, so I don't have to go get any Atlanta traffic. And then uh, once I get in, it just it's too variable to say, but it is nice to be able to get there. No one's checking their clock. I can go check in and I'm pretty much friends with all my partners at this point. And basically as a divorce lawyer, you just put up whatever fire is the hottest that day. So the people listening now, what would you tell them, the people that are thinking about getting a divorce? What's your advice, just some general advice to people and um, what do they do? What are their first steps? Well, what I tell people is, if you want to get a divorce or not, is a decision you have to make. That's not a decision that the lawyer is going to make. Once you've reached that decision and you know that's best for you and your family, reach out to a lawyer and, and, and start asking questions. Most advice is common sense advice. Um, don't do anything drastic. Um, the one piece of advice I would tell anyone that believes that they're about to get into a custodial dispute is don't vacate the marital home. Uh, judges like continuity. And if you're in a custody case, it doesn't look good for you to be asking to have custody of the children when you got so upset with your wife that you moved out and are living in an apartment. I'm sure that's so common, though, and so hard to do if you know that you're going to divorce to stay together in the home. It is very hard. And then, of course, you have some cases where you have to give contrary advice to that because you're worried about maybe some sort of domestic situation arising or a false allegation arising. So you have to weigh all that and make a decision that you think is going to be best, but there's no, there's no surefire advice that you can ever give someone. Okay, I have a weird question. Have you ever had to fight, had a, excuse me, has anybody ever fought over pets? Uh, yes, multiple times. Yeah? Nobody's ever said that on the show before, so I just thought about that. Well, I guess it depends on your word fighting. Um, I've had clients tell me they want to fight over pets, and usually I tell them no. <laughs> but So I'm never in court fault over pets, but I have certainly sent emails about them. Okay. (laughs) That was just my curious. PlayStation games is the most petty thing that I've ever fought over. Oh my gosh. Actually, one time there was a sewing machine that I found out after the fact didn't even work. 
and we had lawyers at hourly rates probably spend an hour and a half arguing over a sewing machine that didn't work. Hey, you're the one making the money, right? Try to tell that to your client, and sometimes it works, and sometimes they just can't see that until, until after. Well, I really appreciate you being here on the show this morning, and um, if you'll let our listeners know how they can reach you in Sandy Springs. Sure. My office is across from the Costco on Peach Street, Dunwoody. Uh, my direct dial, which I give to everyone, um, I like to have access uh, so you don't have to go through three different channels to, to reach me, is 770-349-8208 or email me at jhendrick at stoutkaiser.com. And that was Jordan Hendrick here on Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. And again, welcome to Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I am your host, Emily Rowell. I have Christopher Ivory on the air here with me and in studio. Nice to see you this morning. Good morning, good morning. And he is with the Ivory Firm, and he focuses on the entertainment side of law. He is an attorney that practices entertainment law in Atlanta, Georgia. He is native-born Cleveland, Ohioan. Can you say that? Ohioan. Ohioan. Championship all summer 2016. Yes. (laughs) And he recently left Miami, Florida to practice law in Atlanta. What brought you to Atlanta? Atlanta. Let me guess. The music scene. Partially. Partially. (laughs) I think Atlanta, Georgia is one of the most fascinating cities in the United States of America. It's very diverse, a great cost of living, many career opportunities, especially for millennials such as myself. Mm -hmm. I'm a year into the practice of law. And unlike many law students, which I advise you don't, don't do what I did, but it worked out for me, I went straight into the practice of law immediately after graduating law school. And I can't think of a better city to have done it than Atlanta, Georgia. Sure, sure. You're smart. And you're smart enough to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Smart enough to invite me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Watch out for Chris here. <laughs> so tell me a little bit, what's your passion? Why did you get into law in the first place? Well, I originally got into law. I was working at the time in corporate finance at a bank in Ohio after I graduated from The Ohio State University. And one day, my managers told me that they had picked my next position. And I didn't like that. I didn't like not having the control over my career that I wanted. So I went to a library the next day. I'm old school. took a pen and paper, and I wrote down everything that I wanted to be in my life, everything from husband to television show host to respected adjectives verbs nouns whatever I wanted to be and as I looked at my career decisions and my life in my face I said I'm going to law school law and order are the backbone of society and I wanted to be a player in what is essentially the fabric of our world in our country I like that answer wow and he didn't even give me that question (laughs) (laughs) that was great and that was so you know it's true I agree. I concur. <laughs> Is that the legal term? Yeah. Well, when you, when you speak the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so tell me about um, a little bit about your practice about entertainment law. Yes. So in entertainment law, I handle the legal and business affairs of entertainment industry personnel spanning across fashion, film, literature, music, and television. Most recently, I negotiated major contracts for some people that will be seeing on reality television pretty soon. Nice. I'm very excited about that. I've signed recording artists to record labels. And one thing that I do that I didn't anticipate is I create a lot of businesses, a lot of LLCs, mostly LLCs and corporations, because early in the practice of entertainment law, I realized that these people need protection. 
and the ultimate form of protection is having a business entity recognized by the state. And you need that for that separation of personal and business assets and also to protect yourself from the legal process against you. Mm-hmm. One of the very first cases that I defended in Fulton Superior Court was a record label who was being sued by an artist for breach of contract. Now, unfortunately, the judge ruled against my client, but because my client had a record label that was established as an LLC, the opposing counsel was unable to collect because the LLC had no assets in it. Mm-hmm. So had they not done that, mm-hmm. hey, buddy, your car, your house right. might they be liable to get taken. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Wow. And that's so true. I mean, you want to protect your talents, too, as an artist. Definitely, you know? definitely. Because everybody's unique and they're, all their talents are unique. So you want to definitely put that into, you know, some sort of, what do they call it, trademark or... Yes, your, your, your intellectual property protection, essentially yes. your copyrights, your trademarks, your patents if you have an invention. And those things are very important because what you find out, not just in business, but in entertainment and life in general, nothing is a big deal until it's a big deal. So you're using that trademark, you're using that logo, and you think it's yours until you come to find out that someone's already done the federal filing for it. And even right now I have a case where we have to go back and file a a trademark cancellation process with the federal government. Whereas had they just filed for the trademark, I know it's $325 and you have attorney's fees, but you want to take care of little things while they're still little. Mm -hmm. You have to think of your business and your trade like a child. You may have to put your child into multiple sports. You may have to make many unsexy investments, but it's all for the better of the child before it's too late. And it's very similar with business. Many times we make these decisions without putting into perspective that, yeah, we may only have a few dollars in the bank account now, but this can be a multi-million dollar business, and we have to treat it like such from the beginning. In the entertainment world, music is my favorite. Um, Tell me about getting music on the air. What's the process? We are at a very, very interesting point in music and entertainment. Because, well, it's twofold. One, social media has revolutionized the world. And secondly, CDs are no longer selling. So touching on social media for for a second, what social media does is it lets people make themselves known to the public. And if you're not able to do that on your own, many of the major record labels, Sony, EMI, they're less likely to give you a recording contract because you haven't shown yourself that you're someone that the public will like. You mm-hmm. haven't shown yourself through your Instagram, through your Facebook, through your, through your Twitter, that you can develop a following that's worth us giving you a record advance or right. that's worth us building a marketing team around you. So the second part of that is CDs aren't selling. CDs aren't selling. So to answer your question most directly, getting music on air is really a matter of streaming now between Tidal mm-hmm between Pandora, between Spotify, as long as you have an album, an album cover, and music that's somewhat catchy that could be played in rotation, you can get your music into streaming yourself. And what that does is you're now played alongside major recognizable artists. Imagine your song is coming right after Taylor Swift. Or imagine your song is coming right after Justin Bieber. And so what that does is it drives traffic to you and then you start to gather a following, and then we can start talking radio, then we can start talking recording artists. But I tell artists, if you want your song on the air, you need to get into streaming. 
You need to either be able to do it yourself or to seek wise counsel that can help you with the process. (laughs) I like the (laughs) smile that came with that. (laughs) Like me. (laughs) Touche. Yeah, so that's so crazy because it's totally different than it used to be. I mean, you'd have to travel and play at gigs and try to get, you know, your name known that way, which is a lot harder, I would say. And now it could be a lot easier, but you got to stay at it. Well, it's it's a double-edged sword now. Mm-hmm. So the good news is everyone now has these opportunities to make themselves the next big artist or to develop that following. But on the bad side, everyone has that opportunity too. So it's a lot of competition. Sure. However, a big X factor is YouTube. What most people don't know is YouTube is the number one source of music in the world. Wow, you don't need I didn't an, know that. You don't need an app for it. It's free. It's international. And so what I encourage artists to do is is to make a lyric video. You want to be to a point where people can find you on YouTube at any given point in time and listen to your music and share it with their friends. Because if you go through Facebook or or Spinrilla or even iTunes, not everyone has that. Mm -hmm. If you have a Droid, for example, you're not listening to iPhones. Spotify, Pandora, these require Wi-Fi. These require hotspots. YouTube, completely global. Mm-hmm. YouTube, very accessible, very user-friendly. If you don't have your music on YouTube, you're shooting yourself in the foot because people need to be able to hear you and go straight to your YouTube page. I like that. All right, once again, you're listening to Atlanta Legal Experts with your host, Emily Rao, Rich Casanova, producer and engineer. We're speaking with Christopher Ivory with the Ivory Law Firm. Um, I have a couple of serious questions, but I, had to, I have to mention this. So um, you're from Miami, went to Ohio, and now you're in Atlanta? I'm does, from Ohio. From Ohio. Went to Miami. To Miami and now, now I'm in Atlanta. Atlanta. Does that mean LeBron is coming to Atlanta then? Is that a scoop we got right here? Or what? You know what? <laughs> is he following you around or what, dude? <laughs> of course LeBron is following me around. <laughs> no, but seriously, LeBron James can do no evil in my eyes. Right, right. <laughs> He's been the mentor that I've, that I've never met. I see him on your Instagram uh, uh, page as well. And so, um, But back to business here. Um, so you mentioned also you're going to be a TV host. Maybe we can start with a radio host and, uh, and gravitate from there no, when we have no, Provis' no, TV. No, no. <laughs> but, um, but talk about TV. Talk about negotiating television uh, contracts. What does that uh, entail? It entails leverage. It entails leverage. And when you're negotiating TV deals, you have to have an honest conversation with your client. And you have to say, look, I understand what you want, but we're going against VH1 or we're going against Viacom. We're going against ABC. And you have to know exactly where you are in your career and the type of following that you're likely to get because that's going to determine what, what the parameters of that contract are going to be. Now, some of the major areas in that contract are, of course, your royalties, your synchronization rights, of course, your licensing, but mainly it's exclusivity because when these networks get a hold of you, they don't want you to be able to go on another television show two days later. And then that show becomes more popular than theirs. So you have to really understand the leverage that you have, who wants you, who wants you to do what. And also, once you sign with that one network, how long do you want to be there? Because when I, when I engaged in my last negotiations with VH1, a major point of contention was the option and that they had an option to pick up my client for an additional four seasons after four seasons that my client would already be on the show. And so I had to tell my client, look, do you really want to be in a contract that can possibly lock you up for eight years? And when you're deciding that, you have to take into account 
how much money you're going to get paid per episode, how many cycles there's going to be. And what a cycle is is essentially a season. That's kind of just legalese for a season. So you have to take into account a lot of factors and see where your client's leverage is to engage in the best negotiations on their behalf. How do you get your clients? What are some ways that you go about getting new clients? I'm sure referrals are huge. Referrals are very huge. I'm very word of mouth. I'm very old school. I'm very traditional. I've never really been the type to approach people with my business card, but really just by kind of having an energetic and bubbly personality and being on amazing places like Atlanta Legal Experts, yes. people tend to tend to come to me when I put myself in the right position. Sure. And it's fun and it's humbling that people trust me and they accept me to be one of the person to handle their affairs. So I'm out in Atlanta a lot. I'm out during the night. I'm out during the day because I have court in the morning. But also when you practice entertainment, you have to get used to the nightlife. You may sure. have to go to the studio with your artist on Sunday from 4 to 10 because many artists have full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. You can't get to them from 9 to 5. So you may have to go out at 9 o'clock. You may have to go out at 12 o'clock to meet that DJ. So that's how I get most of my clients. And they appreciate that I come to them where it's comfortable for them. Hands-on. Yes, ma'am. Well, you're young enough to do that. <laughs> I'm thinking about 5 o'clock and getting home. <laughs> yeah, my, my face usually gives it away. I've even been called young man in court by many judges. And the first time I was actually in Cobb County, I'll never forget a judge said, excuse me, sir, but are you here by yourself? Because you look like an intern. <laughs> oh, God. Well, we appreciate you being on the show. If you will let everybody know how they can reach you. Yes, I am able to be reached directly at 404-502-1214, also via email at Christopher at theivyfirm.com. My office is 1100 Peachtree Street, Northeast, Suite 200, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. And I'm also able to be found on avo.com. Just search Christopher Ivory. Thanks so much. You did great. Thank you. It was really my pleasure to be here. It's Christopher Ivory on the Atlanta Legal Experts Radio Show. I'm your host, Emily Rowell. Up next, I have Bryant Mildenhall, partner. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Excellent. How are you? Good. I've got a, another long name to Sorry. rehearse here. That's okay. <laughs> Bryant Mildenhall with Cats Wright Fleming Dodson and Mildenhall. Not so bad. LLC. Uh, personal injury, wrongful death, nursing home abuse. And Bryant comes to us today as um, with offices in Atlanta and Decatur. He represents injury victims and their families after tragedies such as t car, truck, and motorcycle accidents. Bryant recently spent two weeks in Moldova. Is that correct? That is right, yes. Teaching law students at various educational institutions in that region. That was I read your article on that. That was very interesting. Um, so tell me, how would you describe your teaching experience in Moldova? Well, it was uh, eye-opening, I think, for both me and the students. Uh, I'd never been to Moldova before, and it was um, just kind of um, eye-opening for me in the sense that I found out a lot about another judicial system. I was there to teach the students, but, mm -hmm. you know, in turn, they taught me a quite uh, a bit about uh, their legal system and how things work in other parts of the world. Um, but it was um, two weeks of intensive um, trial preparation for a mock trial uh, competition that the students were preparing for at the end of the semester. 
And basically, we went from university to university all around Moldova. I think we taught in uh, six universities, uh, all, to, all told, and uh, also taught uh, some judges and prosecutors as well, just basic legal principles uh, from Western systems. And they were going to win an internship in, a, in the U.S., is that correct? That's right. So I guess um, there was uh, a prize if you won uh, the overall competition of some um, you know, awards and things like that. But the best uh, students overall were kind of handpicked for an internship in the U.S. this summer. And I think they're here right now, actually. Oh, so, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, are you able to see them? Uh, most of them are out west, and oh, okay. I've kind of kept up with some on Facebook and, sure. and things like that. So I know their—I think their flight may have left this weekend, actually. So I think they're just getting here. But, uh, anyways. So, um, what got you? What brought you out there in the first place? I had a friend here, an attorney, who taught there last year, and um, he knew that I had some interest in Eastern Europe and told me, hey, you you know, you know, speak Russian, you um, would just fit in really well over there, so why don't you try and do this yourself? And I took him up on it and ended up uh, you know, teaching there for two weeks. I'm sure it was life-changing for you. Yeah, it really was. Um, it uh, really uh, helped me to understand and appreciate our system better, uh, you know, seeing how things work in a country like that. I uh, really started to appreciate the um, checks and balances we have in our government and the rule of law that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, our system is not perfect either, but sure. to compare it to theirs, we just have a, um, a lot of great um, checks in place to make sure that that the justice is... is, is um, you know, brought out on people as, as best as possible. So that was a, a really um, beneficial experience for me. So tell me, can you describe Moldova um, in, in their way of justice over there? Yeah, so Mal- Moldova <laughs> is, uh, it has the, the distinction of being the least traveled to country in Europe. It's um, not very large in population or size. It's about the size of Metro Atlanta population-wise. Oh, wow. And... Um, you know, their legal system is basically um, developing from about 1990 because before that they were part of uh, the USSR and mm-hmm. Soviet Union. And so it's kind of a fledgling legal system and they're trying to figure out things. And so a lot of what they have is borrowed from other countries. And so part of my reason for being there was to help them develop um, legal systems and, and things of that nature to uh, develop their system to be you know, more effective and efficient and, and to have uh, better access to justice. That's awesome. So um, what are the differences between their legal system and our legal, legal system here? Well, our legal system you know, is based upon uh, a lot of constitutional rights, like the right to a trial by a jury. And one of the biggest surprises that I had uh, upon uh, getting to Moldova was that they, they don't have trials by jury. And that has made the whole judicial system ripe for corruption um, because basically you've got a judge who's deciding everything Mm -hmm. and uh, makes it very difficult to get a fair trial. And uh, what's happened in a sense, and this from at least from what the students tell me, is that if you want, uh, let's say you have a criminal charge brought against you, if you want to have that charge dropped, if you pay enough money to your attorney, the attorney can then turn around and pay the judge and the charges are dropped or you get some sort of good plea deal. And it sounds crazy and and horrible, but they openly told me that's just the system that they have right now in Moldova. It's the way of life there. Yeah, and this was even conversations I had with prosecutors and judges, and they know it's a problem, and they're trying to fix it, but that's just kind of their way of life right now, like you said. Right, right, wow. And that's, but it's one person 
going out there to try to help. And I think when you start there, you know, with just you and a classroom of students, you know, I think every little bit helps. You know, you create a little wave, hopefully. Yeah, I think, and it's true here, too, that the, the rising generation is learning from the lessons that, have, you know, the, the generation above it. And I think mm-hmm. the, the rising generation, these law students that I taught, are going to try and, and um, influence the system in positive ways and try and make uh, good legal reforms. And uh, I think all in all, the country's going in the right direction. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that I think surprised you from your article, you were talking about um, police officers there and how <laughs> they just have absolutely no um, respect. Right. And so uh, one of the um, witnesses in the mock trial fact pattern we had was a, was a police officer. And I was trying to teach the students about building credibility of a witness and I said, well, you know, an officer walks into the courtroom, usually they have credibility built in. And they all started laughing. I said, what are you talking about? Why would we trust a police officer? Yeah. And apparently they have the same problem with corruption with police sure. officers that they have with judges and prosecutors. Got it. Um, but that also, I think, even in our system now is, is, uh, is an issue that we have to consider with the, yeah. the, the environment that we live in now. There are uh, more people now who don't trust police officers as much as mm-hmm. they would have five or ten years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny that, uh, you mentioned that because of what's going on today, obviously. Sure. So how in tune is this show, right? <laughs> um, so tell me, um, the experience of teaching in Moldova, how's that made you better to do, to represent your clients here? Well, I, one of the reasons I got into law was I wanted to help people. And, um, you know, that's really how I, um, feel like I'm getting, getting rewarded in my legal practice is seeing someone come into me with a problem, an injury, or some other issue, and then when they leave, they usually uh, have a smile on their face, and they're in a better position than when they came into my office. And mm-hmm. um, seeing, uh, you know, people that live in kind of a third-world country and, you know, understanding the access to just, justice issues that they have there just kind of rekindled my fire for helping people here in Georgia get access to justice mm-hmm. and and helping them get out of a hard situation. It's like you can run the everyday, day-to-day stuff and kind of starts bogging you down. And then when you have some sort of, you know, different experience, like you said, it that happened to me. I had to speak at a, um, a seminar and, you know, it just made me refocus on my purpose for what I do. And so I was able to, it just kind of Oh, yeah, I like what I do. You know, <laughs> all the day to day stuff didn't start wearing on. Me. Right. It does give you uh, just an extra spark of energy to get going. And uh, again, I also appreciated and understood wow, we have a great judicial system. Sometimes I think all the attorneys here, Jordan and Chris, may agree with me that justice is not always served in the, in the courtroom. Sometimes the, mm-hmm. the wrong result takes place. And even though that takes place, I, I still have so much respect and, and gratitude for the system that we have here. And uh, you know, having a trial by jury is just a huge uh, right and to, um, you know, ensure that people do get justice. Love it. So um, two main takeaways from your Moldova teaching experience. Well, one I'd say um, for all attorneys is look for pro bono opportunities that are maybe outside of the box a little bit. Um, to go to Moldova, you could you could do it without speaking any Russian. Um mm-hmm. Uh, most of the teachers that would go through this program that I went through, through the um, Levitt Institute of International Development, they didn't speak Russian or Romanian, which is the other language in Moldova. And so 
there are, I think, a lot of international programs like this. It's a good way to, you know, see the world, but also to use your skills and, and help other people that really are in, in need of learning um, those types of skills. So that's the first takeaway is I try and tell people, you know, have fun with your pro bono experience and your legal career. And mm-hmm. um, I think lawyers sometimes have reputation, except for Chris over here who's going out in the Atlanta nightlife every <laughs> night. A lot of us has the rep- reputation of, you know, uh, you know, white collar in the office all day and not having much fun. And this sure. was a way to, to get out and, and see the world, but also use my, my legal skills. The other big takeaway, I think, is that, um, you know, uh, every country has a need for legal development. And like we talked about earlier, even our country has that need. And mm-hmm. and I think that um, we all need to work to improve. And, and like I said, the rising generation is doing a great job here and the U.S. as well to try and improve things as, as best they can. But not to take it for granted. I mean, we are we are on the best country on this earth. So Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, with the freedoms that we all enjoy. So you plan on going back anytime soon? Um, I'll have to convince my wife and kids to let me go again. That was <laughs> um, two weeks away from them was kind of difficult. But sure. I, I'd like to go again. And uh, all the students, um, you know, that I worked with are, are definitely, um, you know, a draw to get me back there. Just wonderful kids and, and very eager to learn. So uh, I'd like to try and get back when I can. Where is your firm located here in Atlanta? We're, our main office is in Decatur, just across the street from the courthouse, downtown Decatur, Georgia. And how can our listeners reach you? Uh, probably the best way is to go to our website, which is robertncats.com. So Robert N is in Nancy, cats.com. And cats is K-A-T-Z. That is correct. Well, we really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks that for having was- me. Absolutely. That was Bryant Mildenhall on Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I am your host, Emily Rowell. I look forward to tuning back in next week. Thank you again for joining Emily Rowell and her guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show. And stay tuned for the next episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.